Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, and I'm kicking it to you live for the Beckons of Herald of Steel podcast. We are in the adventure series, The Elders, wrapping up the quest, The Last Rites. In the last big deal episode, our partay, now elvish, uh, smacked around a strange lycanthropic critter. Uh, yeah, everybody's already laughing and smiling about that comment. Yeah, because we're all still elves, and that, that's where that's at. Oh, forgot anyway, about I it. forgot. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the, thank you, Ronnie, for miming pointy thank ears. You. The people on the show really appreciated listening to your ears folding. Um, but the, uh, the thing is, is our party smacked around the strange lycanthropic lord who is no longer uh, with us. Uh, strange... Strange happenings with inside his floating castle. Uh, apparently his wife, whomever that strange pile of leaves and plants was, uh, bound his life to this plane somehow. But the curse of the wild appears to maybe have been lifted as the party doing the last blow to the mound of plants. Um, it seems that our uh, uh, the half crow people, the strange were ravens, all seem to be flopping back to some sort of a strange elvish form. Uh, with the entirety of the castle sort of being filled with these half people now skittering and running around trying to escape an exit. So we uh, basically pick up again with our party having completed the deed and probably hoping to get on their way to head back to the city of Aesiris and go tell the Elven Council that they did the duty, they did the job, they pooped the duty and the job's done. Um, but I will say that noticing now, once the wreckage, all the plants and all the animals have kind of dissipated and fallen about here, that this chamber that you guys are in seems to be almost like the the main living space that the uh, Shea Fantil seem to be living in. And you can see that tossed about this place under all the plants and everything like that that are now peeling away, you see gemstones, you see coinage, you see just heaps of treasure all over the place. And it's... It. Yeah, it's, it's a lot to the point that I don't actually think people are capable of carrying that much back with them. Question, does Anton wake up or is he still knocked out? Oh, yeah. How could we forget? Well, guess what? You're in luck because amongst all the loot, there are a couple potions. Uh, some of those potions might just happen to be, I don't know, healing potions. Who fucking knows? Uh, guys, last time we used potions i mean look at us all i don't know if it's the best idea to be just 
throwing these about. Just slurping down potions. Okay. When has that ever benefited us in the past? So how many potions am I adding to the inventory? Well, as far as the uh, the heaps of goods go, there there's a lot of loot to be had. So um, there are four potions in total here. Uh, they're all listed in Elvish, as well as a scroll case uh, or a series of scroll cases that seem to be seem that there's a few scrolls in the individual scroll case, uh, since it's sort of a large leather affair covered in a bunch of or like a, a ornamental sort of lacing and whatnot um but like i said just a second ago i mean there's there are coins here and when i say coins i mean like thousands of coins it's just rivers of silver and gold and specklings of gemstones as well i mean not uh sorry not gemstones but artwork as well as uh platinum pieces so it's it's definitely more i think than anybody here could actually carry comfortably um and so it would seem that the party would have to be sort of selective about what they're carrying unless anybody has some sort of dimensional carrying device i'm gonna look around a pile of loot somewhere yeah i'm gonna look around to see if i see some sort of dimensional loot carrying device so with that, as the uh, gang kind of searches around for anything to start bundling things up, there are, in fact, a couple of chests that seem that uh, you'd be able to maybe lug them, fill them up with some coinage. But at the end of the day, they're just well-reinforced chests. So it's not like it's going to make it easier to carry it. It's just you're not going to be tearing holes in your bags or whatever, you know? All right, guys. So I say we focus on the gemstones, platinum, then gold. So um, I'm still dead. Yeah. Oh. Once you spend the time to look around at the uh, individual potions scattered amongst all the stuff, uh, you do find that there are two potions labeled in Elvish as healing potions, as well as one resistance potion uh, to psychic damages, as well as one potion of giant strength labeled for uh, hill giant strength on it. Um, apart from that, the there are also uh, a couple of uh, bird cages that seem to be wrought of like gold with electrum kind of or ornamenting it. Uh, both of them seem to be worth somewhere in the ballpark of two hundred and fifty gold pieces each, um, as well as a series of necklaces in small glass chests. Each one of them made of silver, or, uh, decorated with moonstones and whatnot. Uh, each one of them worth about two hundred and fifty gold as well. Um, as far as, um, yeah. And then the scrolls all seem to be labeled as well. Uh, I don't know if anybody wanted to keep track of them, scrolly boys, but uh, yeah. as far as scrolls go, we have uh, one scroll of magic missile, one of invisibility, one of bark skin, and one of a wall of fire. Um, but all of these ones are listed as well in Elvish to the point that, you know, everybody can read it pure as day, clear as day rather. Um, but yeah, and I will say that if somebody does happen to pick up the uh, potions of healing and give one of them to Anton, um, <clears throat> you can go ahead and roll that Healy, uh, whoever's going to give it to her, um, or him rather. Yeah, I'll, because I'll, uh, I imagine I was going through the loot first, I'll hand it over and just be like, oh, can one of you guys give this over to Anton? Sure. I think this will help, help him. Uh, what was the the other potion there was one for hill giant strength and what was the other odd one uh resistance of psychic okay yep 
And so once Anton awakens, um, is the uh, 2d4 plus four, right? For common healing potion? I believe so. Yeah, for this edition. Oh, dang. Uh, that's 10 points of healing. Okay. Um, but Anton, as soon as you like lean forward and look to see Jarzak scuffling through like all the uh, loot on the ground and looking at the coins and kicking things over, for a split second, something catches your eye in a way that is, I almost would put it akin to like dwarves noticing certain stonework fixtures or elves noticing secret passages. For some reason, something pulls your eye in a way that almost like, like when you look across a, a, a room and you see somebody looking directly at you, that weird magnetism feeling you feel. As Jarzak scuttling through the piles of coins, a strange horn uh, seems to be kind of tossed aside. And as Jarzak looks down at it, you can see that it's adorned with all kinds of engravings as well as like gorn, uh, gold ornamenting all over it, kind of lacing all over it and drawing fancy little designs. But judging by the fact that there is sort of like a cap on the end of it, as well as like a metallic like hole at the end of one side, it looks like it's a horn for blowing and not for drinking out of or anything like that. And so Jarzak, I guess the ball's in your court once you see it roll out. It looks like it must be worth some sum of money once you take a peek at it. But again, Anton, you feel this weird pull towards it. Huh. Is this this one of them drinking horns? <laughs> Can I do a religion check? Kind of like waddle over to it and be like, that I don't think that's a normal horn. Um, yeah, I mean once you once you look at it. Uh, you scuttle over there and pick it up, take a gander at it. I mean, you can see that the various ornamenting all over it, clear as day. I mean, it shows ships, it shows waves, as well as showing the sun in a way that's sort of illustrated in a way that looks not unlike the Illuminator's light. So it, it's got some sort of religious looking kind of design to it, but it doesn't seem like it's like holy horn. You know what I mean? Like it's just sort of, looking at the sun in a, in a way of reverence. You know what I mean? But looking okay. at the boats covered in people and all the tiny little designs all over it, it oddly looks like, I don't know, like the detail is focused more on the individual people rather than the sun. You know what I'm saying? Got it. And I got a six, so that makes sense. Uh... I wasn't even asking you to roll for a religion on that one. Uh, if anything, oh if somebody has he'll, history, he'll if somebody has history and they want to roll for that, that'd be dope. Actually, can I roll nature to see what type of animal horn it is? Yeah, by all means. Eight. Uh, that's a soft 20. I got 11 on history. 12 history. All right. So 11 as well. So as far as the 11s and 12 go, uh, it's very clearly like labeled looking at the ways these boats are, are I guess, drawn on here or, or scripted on here, sculpted on here. Um, these seem to be in the same stylings of the warships of Azkabellum. And as far as nature check goes, it does look like it belonged to some sort of bovine, uh, likely one that lived in the plains and one that would definitely live in a place kind of like Azkabellum. Uh, so for whatever that's worth, I like uh, the triangulation. They're like, this looks like Azkabellum boats. I'm like, that's an Azkabellum cow. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, but I don't know. How much this is actually going to fetch? There's a the hole at the bottom. The drink's just going to fall right think, out. I, I don't think this is for drinking, Jarzak, and Anton's uh, going to blow into it. 
just Jarzak born for war, looking at a <laughs> fucking horn and just being like, this is worth nothing. Well, you can't drink out of it. Anyway, um, all right. So, wait, Anton blows on it? Yeah, to show him how it works. Okay. I mean, the result oh. of the horn is astonishing and deafening, but in a way that's not like you actually go deaf from it. It's just the reverberations echo with a level of power that seem unwieldy for the size of this device. And for the amount of blowing you did on it. Anton, like right next to my ear, really? Uh, I, I was, it was, it's a, called a joke. I was exactly. I know what it's used. Guys? <laughs> Guys? Either, either way, that's quite the horn. Indeed. What's you can't get lost name? using that. Someone will find you eventually. <laughs> He's just—he's like—he kind of looks at Jarzak. He's like, "See, is it okay if I hold on to this?" What? Does Jarzak <laughs> want to try a horn blowing on it? Yeah, can I? Can I try? Show you how give loud it, it is. Him... Sure. <laughs> As Jarzak holds it directly to Anton's ear and prepares a hefty gust. As go. you blow on it. <laughs> It makes the sound as if you're blowing on the blunt end of a stick. Like it just, there's no sound. It's just the sound of like putting your thumb in your mouth and going, like nothing uh, comes out to the point no air <laughs> flows out of the other side as well. Yeah, I, uh, this horn is racist. I was choking or something. I, <clears throat> it's just, yeah, uh, I'll, you know, I'll use it later. I'll show you how it's done. I mean, it's very weird that Jarzak's attempt was weirdly unable to work out. I guess Anton will take it again and see if there's like something clogged in it. I don't know. Jarzak, you gotta gotta purse your lips like you're gonna kiss a girl. (laughs) He just Uh, hung out. uh, (laughs) Jarzak, no. (laughs) No, a lady. (laughs) He just, Anton just looks, he says, looks good to me. He's like, Norhill, do you know how to use one of these? Norhill would be unbelievably well accustomed to the use of a horn for such things. Of course. I, Come and shoot them. I hand it over to Norhill. Now you're just showing off. I'll try blowing, you know, like a simple a three note signal or something. Uh, you get three different versions of. <laughs> It's broken. Yeah, see, I told you. It, it can't be used to drink and it can't be used to do uh, a warning. You know, it's, it's broken. <laughs> this thing's dumb. We'll try and sell it, I guess. Oh, Anton's going to try it again. Oh, that was a fluke. Oh, not in my <laughs> ear again, Anton. No, he's going he's gonna to purposely not do it near anyone's no. eardrums. Anton, not ever having played one of these before, other than the one time he tooted on it, the second time you blow onto it, that same three-note pattern Norhill was trying to do, as you do it, you can sense that like the horn reverberates in a strange way, and the room shakes a little bit, and the individual etchings on the actual horn itself, all the little people on there that are etched in illuminate in a blinding white light, but still like within the confines that you can still see the illustration, but they all light up and you see them almost like the little etchings seem to like dance along the side of the horn and move towards the far end, like where the actual blowhole is. 
I think we need to learn more about this horn before selling it. I mean, before you even say that line, everybody yeah. in the room feels a weird sense of like urgency and movement amongst them. Well, that's something. Um, okay, I guess coming from. Or hell, I guess the horn just doesn't like us. Um... Yeah, Tom just shrugs and puts it on his hip, if that's a thing he can do. Yeah. Like, I think we'll find some reason for this. I don't know much about... Um... Yeah, would he know anything about... Ascabella? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'd know a decent amount, especially because you lived at Glory Wake, which I know is on the complete other side of the... Of the uh, the country, it's still Glory Wake is known for being a naval port as well, but Ascabellum is known for just being like a militaristic naval uh, a series of city-states that are all under the control of, you know, obviously the king of Ascabellum, but it's a place that's known for its ships and warriors, and it's a place that takes no shit from anybody. But for the most part, they're kind of... I don't want to say like self-sufficient and for hire. So they don't go to war unless it's justified, but their people go on small pilgrimages for warfare. So seeing people from Azkabellum come rolling through Glory Wake on a stop for their boats, that happened more often than not on their way to Gorgareth. Got it. It is weird that one of these is in an elven castle though. That's real strange. I mean, judging by the ornamental make of this thing, this looks like it might have belonged to a king. Jesus. Like holding it in your hands and actually getting a look at it, seeing the magical nature of it, even if it's just the weird effect there, it, it's kind of a bit mind-blowing. But again, there you go. I think, yeah, I think we need to learn more. But what else have we? I mean, Anton just kind of like sits, he just kind of like looks around for me. He's like, so we won? Good thing we won. It, yeah, it kind of looks like that. Well, Norhill, at least these gems don't mind hanging around us. Even if a horn won't work. Toss you a couple gems. Yeah. Uh, each of the gems in this place seem to be worth about 50 gold pieces, and there's about 12 of them laying around that you can see right off the bat. As far as gold and silver and platinum goes, doing a full count of this place, there appear to be about 80 platinum pieces kicking around. There's about 2,000 gold pieces, and it looks like anywhere between 5,000 and 8,000 silver pieces. If you guys wanted to fill a chest, uh, you could probably put about 1,000 coins into a chest and take it with you. Okay. Uh, so let's... You guys want to fill up this chest with some, some platinum and gold? What are we gonna do with this platinum and gold? You know, give it to the Show people. back to the elves, like. Anton. Give it to the people. Good. Right, yeah. Back in right, glory. Yeah. Wake. Let's uh, let's do so. Uh, uh, so. Let's see. So that would be all eighty platinum pieces, I imagine. That could, but that that's like that's like pocket weight. You know. What yeah, I mean? I'll, I'll I'll hold the eighty platinum, and we can throw a thousand gold in the chest. Okay. Yeah, so it's just easier. It's all gold. Yeah, the thousand in each of the chests, or just one chest. Oh, how many chests are there? Two. Two. Okay, yeah. We can well, fill just up all. Remember, we're going to have to lug it back through the wilderness. And for what it's worth, I mean, it's definitely heavy, but it almost feels like it's not so heavy that 
two people couldn't comfortably carry it on the on the way back. You know what I'm saying? Like it's gonna be unwieldy, so like you know, it's not gonna be comfortable, but it's yeah. definitely doable. No, that's fine. I'll I'll help Norhill. I'll help you carry one, and uh, Klika and Anton got the other. Yeah. Then uh, let's fill a second chest. Yeah. So, and, okay, um, that's all two thousand. Can Norhill also, you know, go around, you know, the different parts of the castle and choose some of the tapestries that are mostly intact? For taking back to the elves or keeping for yourself? Yeah, uh, let, let's give the elves a nice gift. I was going to say, after you guys were kind of having that moment of like, I guess we kind of won the fight, didn't we? And you guys look on the ground where, you know, Shaythan Teal seemed to be uh, you see beyond the bones left behind of his corpse, uh, you see also a signet ring that seems to be gold with a couple of inlaid um, gemstones in it. Um, but it's clearly the same signet. Uh, it looks like the uh, the coat of arms for Thantil that you've seen on a lot of these tapestries. But you could also just put the tapestries directly into the chest and it would fit perfectly fine. But yeah, um, yeah I'll take the signet and I selection of the the most intact and striking tapestries okay Liga will mend those up too so they're bright and proper perfect and so i will say that after you guys are kind of all beaten up and battered from that last fight did you want to stay here for a long rest or did you want to just get on the road and stay outside for your rest oh the the woods could still be dangerous um norrell's actually going to go outside and look to see if the castle's still floating. Yeah, I mean, judging by where you guys are sitting and looking through the crack in the ceiling, you can see the clouds a lot closer than one would expect. So it's it's very clear you guys are floating still. Okay, well, as long as we're in no danger of crashing anytime soon. <laughs> uh, we should take this opportunity to rest. That guy was just at the fucking steering wheel this whole time, and then you guys get... <laughs> Well, that's, I kind of was like, yeah, Dan's going to tell us there's all these treasures and stuff. And then be like, and the castle's coming down. You have time to grab one pick. <laughs> I'm not that rude. I just enforced weight rules instead. I'm like, but you can't carry it. <laughs> all right. How many Dibs, Dibs silver rest. could we, or gold could we take? Because there was more than 2,000 gold, right? There was 5,000 or so, right? For silver? How much silver. gold was there? 2000 okay so we have all the gold yeah i mean like how much silver could a person carry on them comfortably well i would probably say about 100 silver pieces because that's about two pounds of weight but 100 silver pieces in a pocket is quite a full pocket yeah that's what i'm more so you could i mean you could, like do actual space. you could do 300 if you're just on the road carrying it back you could carry like 300 on a person it would be you know cartoonishly like it's a backpack for Klika. She's got a little bindle. <laughs> little babushka back. God damn it. Um, so with that. Um, um, do we want to take the king or the former king's remains back? Do you think the elves would want to give them a proper burial? Or do you think they're kind of uppity about it and would see it as like tainted? I mean, Who knows with them? Um, I just don't think that it'll look good marching back through uh, the city with the bones of their form of a former leader. Well, we could 
use one of the tapestries, I guess, to wrap them up. Fair enough. We've wrapped up people in tents before. What about... I mean, the signet signet ring seems well enough to bring it back. And as far as cultural standards that you guys know about elves, the elves that live within their own home live forever. And so the idea of them bringing back bodies from war or or battles or whatever, um, they are like buried, but typically in ways that are, how do I say it, based on what their family would have wanted. So for you guys to just bring his remains back to the place with him himself being kind of like a disgraced king it would be kind of like an odd move. You know what I mean? Like, I see where you're going with it, but it just feels like to bring that to the council, be like, here's his bones. The the signet ring would be plenty enough yeah, for it. I mean, people don't get banished for no reason. And usually the people who banish them don't really want them back. So speaking of which, uh, here comes Sirithal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Isn't this technically his dad? Or do we not like make that connection yet? Well, this was his. Really uh, was. This would be his brother, right? Because oh. it was. Right? right? I thought it was his father. No. I really it was his brother. Right? Am I wrong here? Hold on. I write the podcast. Don't worry. I mean, yeah. Sirithal's related to, to his wife. Uh, yeah, that, that was his auntie. You know, I should probably know that sort of thing, shouldn't I? Mm. Yeah, mm. he's related uh, somehow. It's clear that there's a shame house. That's fine. Dibs my resting chair and I run to the king's throne. You know, to be totally honest, I don't actually know that I actually made that point known. Did I? I, mean, I just said that he was related. Were, yeah, we knew he was related because I have the same last name, but I don't think we knew how. Hmm. He said that he got so, cursed during a family thing. So it's really however you want to relate them, Dan. Hmm. <laughs> And, and it's interesting, even though they're part of the same house, they could be very distantly related. Yeah, that's kind of what I was hoping to bank off of. It's, wait, he's her dad! No, I'm just kidding. Man, this is an interesting game. So anyway, the party's going to stay here for an uh, all-nighter. Super fun yeah. time. Did we ever, did we hand over the silver key that... Sirithal gave us to like it was at our way into the capital essentially or do we that still was, have that that was the way into the castle if the thing was locked up I like, see. luckily the place was in such terrible terrible despair it was easy to get in Good. should have just given the key to the vines and it would have taken us up <laughs> wouldn't have had a climb do you imagine they're just like oh <laughs> hey you um but okay so the party, is there a watch you guys want to establish for your time staying here? Oh, it is, it's the, he's the nephew. Okay. Oh. Well, yeah, Anton will take the first watch. So, so it was his sister's kid. Ah, another important character nobody gives a shit about. Anyway, so uh, who's the first watch? I think Anton can take it since he just got healed up a little bit. He's He's willing to stay up since he went down early. Have we seen like any of the former were creatures that are now elves like try and make a move on us or anything? Did they like drop dead after transforming back or? Uh, As gross as this is, since Norhill may have scoped the grounds to make sure that everything's okay, uh, you did notice that some of the people who may have tried to fly away um, 
had a very rude awakening when their lycanthropy was ended very abruptly. Well, um, so well, there are a talk, few yeah, talk about grim. There are a few dead bodies outside that seem to have been like trying to get away. Um, but apart from that, people who are still here seem to be like hermiting into like corners and crawl spaces and trying to avoid you guys and your eyesight. And if you guys do approach, the majority of them just hustle and bustle and get the hell out of there thinking or assuming that you're probably coming to kill them too. Oh no! But even then, there's about five of them you guys even encounter the entire place. So I've actually got a weird question about a long rest because I've never been 100% sure about this. Oh, so when it says you get half of your hit dice that you expended to regain hit points during, during a short rest, is that half the ones you spend or you get back your total divided by two? I'd say the total divided by two. That feels fair enough. Because for it to be like, I spent four hit dice, you get two back, and then you get one back, and then you get the one back. Like, four days worth of rest to get that back just feels silly. But, um, okay. And so, who's next on the watch? Because it's going to go Anton, then who? I think we'll take second watch. Okay. And I'll take third. Okay. Matched. So... What happens during the watch is very little. You guys hear the occasional shouts in the distance. Uh, at one point in time during Klika's watch, you hear somebody shout an exuberant shout of joy out in the woods. Um, and it sounds like, I don't know, somebody's just screaming for joy out there. Uh, during Norhill's watch, it seems like nothing much happens as well. Um, but during Jarzak's watch, uh, you, when you're kind of skulking around the king's chambers here and just making sure nothing's coming in through the ceiling and nothing's coming in through that main doorway, you do feel something oddly prodding at you and you feel that jar full of the black ash begin to kind of like smolder and swirl around inside the jar. Uh, before we get into this, when Kliga hears that exuberant joy, shout of joy in the distance, she's going to run to the balcony and scream you're welcome as loud as she can in Elvish. <laughs> Which, yeah, okay, there you go. Very good. And then there's just more cries of joy out in the woods. <laughs> the hills are alive. But Jarzak, your bottle of ash is swirling around brutally. Uh, open it up. So as you start to fuddle around in your bags trying to pull it out, you can hear a metallic clinkety clink 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 noise coming from inside of it as if the ash is almost taken on like a crystalline or metallic form and it's like plinking around in there. And as you pull it out, the thing breaks completely open and a shadowy black massive form just kind of comes like erupting out of it and takes form in the corner of the room in the darkest point in the shape and size of what would be described as, I guess, a humanoid. Um, and before you stands a haunting black mass of ash and darkness and two blood red eyes seem to open up neon bright and you can see this thing takes like one single step towards you. And as it does, it says to you in that wonderful itchy tone that you get in the back of your neck. And it calls out and says, you have done well. You have overthrown your false master. Jarzak, you have done well. And you will always do well so long as you obey. I ask of you, will you be blessed? Yes. And you see the, like, the party sleeping in their little beds. Norhill all of a sudden kind of coughs a little bit, and you see him, like, roll over in his new elvish form. And with that 
the deceiver without even like breaking a stride turns his head in the most like non-humanish kind of like neck snap kind of like quick tilt way looking over towards where the noise came from and slowly like marble like turn it back to you in that like clinkety stonish kind of way and it says they need you but you will go much farther than all of them except my blessing there were many before you who failed but you show great promise and as it takes another step forward, you feel all of the heat around you leave the chamber. And it almost feels like you've been encompassed in some sort of like a, an opaque or like, sorry, like a Stygian snow globe as black ash and like soot seems to just swirl around you guys, almost leaving you in your own little darkened chamber where only you and him can see what's going on. And you see him take another step forward. And at this point with this close to you now that he's like within breathing distance of you probably like a foot two feet three feet away from you you can tell that he's about eight feet tall and still slender and and i would say he's got quite a bit of like dexterous sort of like noodliness to him um but he holds out his hands in front of you in a way like kind of like the baby shark sort of thingy there and he pulls them open and in between is some drippy dark sinuous like mass forming and he says Give me your hand and you shall prosper. With that, uh, Jarzak's gonna say, uh, what's he gonna say? Uh, apologize for taking so long on the last mission and puts his hand. Uh, as you put your hand in there, you think for the slightest second, if utter darkness could have shapes within it, you almost feel like you may have seen something of a vicious crocodilian smile within the mass of darkness before you. And as you put your hand in there, you are greeted with possibly the most intense pain you have ever experienced in your entire life as your skin is peeled back from your hand and your wrist and all of the muscle and tissue is pulled back string by string, and you feel your bones kind of like frigid and cold under the, like the, just the temperature of the air around. And as you stand there, barely teetering on consciousness from the racking pain, the dark hand of the deceiver, Valaketh, reaches onto your head and says, you will do well to abide by all I tell you. You are a chosen, do well. And you pass out from the pain and fall back. And as you fall back, who is fourth watch? Norhill? Yep. So Norhill, you awaken for your watch, realizing you had been let to sleep in a little bit. But your militaristic code of waking up at a regimented time keeps you on a pretty good (laughs) clock. So you wake up and you see Jarzak laying in the doorway, like just unconsciously asleep. And the one particular thing that really draws your attention to him is he is surrounded by that black sooty ash. And it's like, he almost like, it almost looks like he took a thing of coffee grounds and like, whoa, and just splattered it all over the place. Right. And his hand has on it a jet black metallic gauntlet with barbed hooks at the end of each of the fingers. Um, And it seems to go all the way up his forearm nearly to the end of his elbow. And he's just laying there with that thing on his arm, and he's just laying back unconscious. Uh, Norhill is going to go over and attempt to rouse him. Okay. And as you do, Jarzak awakens pretty easily. Jarzak, what happened? Are you injured? Uh, 
You feel uh. you feel an intense pull to lie to him. No, like, must... Even if you were going to come clean, even if it was your best friend in the entire world, just this innate desire to be deceptive to this man is just weirdly pulling for you at this moment. Oh, no, everything's good. and Nothing happened on my watch, so I took a little nap. Uh, it doesn't look like it. It uh, looks like you've fallen into a big hearth, and what in the God's name is that? Oh, a hearth glove so that you can reach into the fire, you know? That's why there's all this soot around. I've seen my play, I was playing with cool. fire. Go ahead and roll your deception check for the love of fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> a hearth glove? God damn it. Uh, 19? 14. Okay, and so with that, you feel the glove seem to almost warm to the raw bones you have beneath the glove and Jarzak even as you move your hand you can feel like the the individual like linking gauntlet fingers on this thing move soundlessly and they seem to almost like have this itching sensation when you move your hand as if something is in between the glove and your bones something begins to wriggle around in there and move around across all the bones like itching thousands of little feet as you lie to, uh, to Norhill and you see his face go from like a questioning pensive look to all of a sudden the resolve of believing you, you feel this weird sense of like ecstatic, like, and you feel that warmth on your hand and you feel a strange sense of strength come to your grip as you do. I've seen my fair share of bizarre tools, but I'm not sure about that. Is this something you found in the horde? It could be cursed. Um, Norhill's going to take um, the regular mundane war pick and use the blunt end to sort of, you know, lightly tap against the gauntlet to, you know, sort of see if it makes a sound and if he can tell what it's made of, that sort of thing. Yeah. Unless Jarzak's going to pull his hand away. Yeah, you're trying, you're trying to hit me right now? You've never heard of a hearth glove? Over <laughs> in Gorgarit, they have them for all the hearts. I mean... Don't make it canon, God damn it, Jarzak. <laughs> oh, this is, I, I this is a straight up lie. <laughs> if they want to manipulate their fires with their bare hands, but even so, this looks painful. And I'm just trying to figure out well, what it is and if it's dangerous. Oh, no, see, metal glove, that's, that's it. I also just appreciate that Jarzak with like this evil, demonic looking glove, just like, see, it's fine. Hearth glove. They give my to everybody. You want me to show you on the hearth? Oh, I, I don't know if there is one here. There's not. Well, you're, I'm just saying, if this is something you found in the horde, then it could very well be dangerous or even cursed. So if you'll just let me at least figure out what I can. Yeah, uh, yeah, no. So what, what do you want to figure out? Uh, so I'm just going to see if I can tell what it's made of by the toe. Okay. So when you go over there and kind of dink at it a couple times with the uh, like a piece of metal, uh, it seems to be made of such a non-resounding metal. What were you going to say? Is there any way that Jarzak can kind of like, as he goes to hit it, like flex up or tense up some so it throws the sound a little? Well, let, let's see okay. how this pans out. Because as you sit there nervously hoping for the best here, he dinks off of it a couple times. And once he does... The, the lack of reverberations of sound in this piece of metal, it sounds like it must be made of like adamantium or something. 
like some of the super dense, like ultra hardened metal. But the way that he's able to kind of just hold it in his hand and swing it around like nothing, it it's definitely magic. Not that you know this with any sense of like, I'm a magician, I know about magic. But to see somebody like Jarzak, who I'm not going to say he hasn't done great with his swimming and his climbing and general athletic abilities. I'm so strong. He's basically wielding like a bowling ball with his pinky finger and he's just kind of, what? Well, if that's not adamantine, it's something very close to it. And you should be unable to lift your arm from the ground without amount of weight. What, what do you mean? This is light. This is this is nothing. Maybe just because you couldn't lift your hand with it. <laughs> and not, not if it's adamantine. It's not. There, there's something going on here. We should have somebody have a look at you. Just try not to touch anything with it. <laughs> just dead Oak Norhill. <laughs> In my professional opinion, this is magic, and we need a better professional opinion. So with that, the rest of the rest goes fine and everybody awakens in the morning. Everybody's able to comfortably climb down the vines that still remain on the outside of this floating castle. And as you guys make it down to the ground with your chests in tow, having used ropes to kind of like belay it down to the bottom, you guys are going to start on your way, hopefully north, northwest towards the city of Aeserese. Um, but as you guys begin your first day of travel, a elvish man comes just running this way in the way that almost makes it seem like, I don't know, elves are supposed to be quiet. This guy seems to be in such a hurried, excited form that he, you could hear him a mile away. And as a couple questions before he gets to us, uh, first is what was the view like from the castle? Because we didn't really, we couldn't see anything because it was like nighttime, but like how do the surrounding lands look? I mean, from where you guys are, as high up as you are, the trees around you are some of the tallest in the region. So really looking to the east is the best view that you can get. But you can see from where you guys are, the plains to the east that make up sort of like the heartland of um, Amaroth. But when you look to the west, you can see through a bit of the trees once the castle moves to a certain place between some of the thickets that you guys can see the coastline to the west. And you guys can see the Strait of Wraithwind. What kind of forest is it? It is uh, both coniferous and deciduous. There's a mix of the trees out here. Got it. Uh, the second question is, are we still elves? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Most definitely. And as this elf comes bounding down this way, everybody who can see him as soon as he's within vision, uh, it's Sirithal. He's in his elvish form. He's just dashing out this way with a bow in turn. And as he comes running this way, he stops dead in his tracks and he yells out in elvish and he says, uh, he says, what is your business out here, elves? He says, I am on official duties. There is no need to, to question me and why I'm here. I have come for the floating castle. That's uh, my castle. <laughs> and with that, he in a way that almost looks like you handed him a hand sam- ham sandwich and called it a hand grenade. Like he just, he is just so flabbergasted in a way that can't, he hears the I'm Klika and he's just like, no, you're not. It's the wave. With that, he yeah. like, his, his eyes come to slits and he's like, what did you do with Klika? 
and Norhill and Jarzak. And as he starts to list off the individual members, he goes along the line. He's like, one, two, three, four. He sees that some people have curlier hair or black hair or whatever to be kind of reflective of who they were. And he puts his hands on his hips and he's like, you drank those damn potions, didn't you? No, I'm just kidding. But he's like, what has happened to you? Um, you know, that's a very good question. <laughs> it started with drinking a potion and it hasn't worn off yet. So don't just, know uh, when it will. Ah. Well, are you okay? It doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> Do I look okay? Just my pride. <laughs> this five foot six Jarzak with a metal glove. Just Do I look okay? <laughs> like, things have changed. But, okay. And with that, he, after hearing this, he just says that perhaps the elves will have some way of handling it. They'll know something about it or maybe be insulted and kick you out for such a thing. Um, but let's hope for the best. Other than that, he offers to lead you guys towards the city of Aceres and leave once he comes within the uh, grounds, not wanting to insult anybody. Um, you know, with his exile and all that stuff. And so for the next few days of travel, he leads you guys this way. And what you've noticed is that over the few days of travel you've had from the castle to the city, the snow has pretty much begun its retreat as it's begun to melt. And you guys can tell that within the next week, it will likely be sort of the great decline of winter and moving into spring. So it seems like in about two, 10 days, it'll probably be warmer weathers out here. Um, but the party make it to the city of Aesiris and Oddly enough, you're not guided in by spirits. And as you guys come wandering in here all elvishly... Um, before we split off with uh, Seerthal, uh, Klika wants to, like, pull him over or just, like, speak to him while we're traveling and just say, um, Seerthal, uh, there were a lot of um, were people or elves in the floating castle, and there were some in the woods, too. And I think they could probably really use your help right now. And you see a look on his face as if maybe like he's realizing something that in his excitement he had overlooked. And he says, that could be the rest of the clan. Perhaps the other exiles are out there. And so with that, he gives kind of a quick nod and he says, if you'll pardon me, I, I must be going. Perhaps there are some that can be talked to. Don't forget your key. And with that, somebody flicks him the key. And he catches it and he says, as he kind of like turns to you guys and does that elvish shame look for just a second, he kneels his, I mean, he leans his head down for a quick second and he says, you are all great people. And he says, I am in your debt and I hope someday that perhaps our paths will cross again. He says, if you need me for anything, simply come to my lands, ask of me and I will do. And with that, he turns on heel and runs off as fast as he can. Naruto running the whole way. Hell, um, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Which actually works for him, surprisingly. Um, but okay. And so with that, the party depart and walk into the city of Aesiris. And um, yeah, as you guys walk through, again, the elves don't seem to pay you any mind because <laughs> you just look like a bunch of weird elves. But they're like, hey, we're all kind of weird elves. And so with that, it doesn't seem like anybody's pulled aside, but people who look at you once, if they look at you a second time, they seem to know something's up, right? And so after a Actually, hot- I have a I have a point of order. So Norhill completely shaves his head um, in, in order to you know wear the helmet. So as an elf, I don't imagine he gained hair. 
No, I guess he didn't. Jarzak is also bald. Oh, okay. So I guess it's uh, the two of you guys just bald elves walking in. Yeah, so I'm just wondering if like the elves would be scandalized by that because I seem to remember the queen lady being confused by the concept of a barber. Okay, you know what? We're not going to have clicaisms come into this and backfire my game. Norhill would have been wearing a helmet. Does Jarzak wear a helmet? No. Fucking okay. So I guess Baldy the elf comes walking in and it confuses people. And Helmet the Elf, on the other hand. Unless Norkel doesn't wear a fucking helmet. Yeah, he's in full armor, so yeah. yeah that's, what I, that's what I was hoping. I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm just saying, in case it comes up. That's what I'm just happy. He's never been in this shape in his life. It's been a long time. <laughs> There's no such thing as an elf with a beer gut. <laughs> he's so pumped about it. And so with that, the party make it to the overall chamber the, uh, of the uh, Cerise there, uh, the Chaseer. And with that, we're going to end the episode. Hey, everybody. It's the young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks. Thanks.